All right, welcome to another episode of the USET Podcast. My name is Matt Winters, your host. I am so happy to be here tonight. Um, it is a beautiful Thursday, or no, Tuesday morning, or Tuesday afternoon. Wow, I am totally <laughs> ruining it in the first little bit, which is fine. It's all good. Um, it's 2020, as we've been talking about before we started the recording. Um, it's a wonderful Tuesday afternoon. I'm here with three very awesome teachers, and I'm very happy to talk about, um, we're going to be talking about teacher advocacy today and how to be a teacher advocate. Um, we will start with, we're going to jump with Karen first, and then we'll jump over to Amy and Scott. Just introduce yourself, tell us where you teach, what you do in education, and anything you'd like us to know about you being an advocate in education. Um, hi, my name is Karen Burns. I currently am teaching at Beehive Elementary School in Kearns, which is in the Granite School District. Uh, this year I'm teaching a first, second grade split online. And I am also the building rep for um, my education association, which is the Granite Education Association. Uh, I do some trauma-informed practice trainings and social justice trainings for UEA, which is the Utah Education Association. And I'm currently a Hope Street Fellow. So those are kind of what I'm doing right now. Very cool. Uh, I'm Amy Jaskowick. I actually was at Tooele High School for the past several years, but I'm still out here in Tooele. Due to COVID, I opted to go online. So I'm teaching through Blue Peak Online as well as My Tech High and um, special education, kindergarten through post high. So lots of material to be covered. So I kind of get to see every single aspect of what kids are going through and then talking to different teachers and collaborating. So lots of collaboration. Oh, and at Tooele High School, I was uh, department chair. So uh, working with new teachers coming in, former te teachers who've been there for a while, veteran teachers who are having a hard time. So lots of fun stuff like that. All right. My name is Scott Judy and I teach at Viewmont High School in Bountiful, Utah. I teach our CEUS history and CEUS government classes, as well as with my CEGov class, I teach via IBC, which means I broadcast out to the high schools in the district and have a lot of fun with that. Like Karen, I'm a Utah teacher fellow and I, I'm the department head. And for some reason, I am at a point where I think our superintendent still likes me, but... <laughs> But I, I do get asked occasionally my opinion on things, and I'm never one to hold back and not share it. So, you know, I, I, I like this topic today, you know, teacher advocacy, because I think, I, I think that we need a little bit more of, you know, moving our opinions from like a lunch group to actual action. And, and hopefully something that we talked about today is going to get somebody to kind of move that maybe initiate some sort of positive change. I really like that. I think that's a great way to start off our, our discussion. And since this is an audio medium, you can't see all the faces on here. All four of us were going, yep, Scott, yes, <laughs> yes that was perfect. Yes. Um, I, I really agree with that. I love the, the terminology of positive change and taking it out of the lunchroom group and into the world. And whether it be on social media or on real advocacy out in the real world sort of thing, although Twitter can be, or social media can be a real advocacy as well. Um, there's different levels of it. So I think at a baseline, we got to establish though, what is a teacher advocate? What does that mean? What, what are we talking about when we say, I am an, a teacher who advocates for things? Is that 
I think a lot of people conflate that with pol political. And I, I think we well, let's parse that out. And then how and why should teachers advocate outside of school? What kind of things should teachers be getting into outside of school hours? So anybody who wants to grab those, any of those questions, I, I'm not asking any lightweight questions today. So <laughs> let's jump right into it. Um, I can start if you want. If that's good. I think being an advocate is really, um, you know, I feel like it's a combined effort of kind of being an ally to the communities that we're in and our students and our fellow educators and also taking action uh, to fix things. And so when I think of that word, I kind of think of those two things. And I think it's really important for us to advocate outside of school as well as inside of school. Um, I know like working with the teachers union, a lot of times we're advocating for teachers' rights and our contracts. Um, I mean, we're also working with legislators and I think I know sometimes there's political aspects to advocacy and there's also non-political aspects, but I think we always ask the question, why is teaching so tied to politics? And I think it's because we are really a political entity as well as a educational entity. I mean, our funding is political, our positions are political, everything in our um, profession kind of ties back to politics and who the leaders are in our boards and our state boards and our local boards and at the, like at the le level where they get to vote on our funding. Um, I also think it's really important to realize that we're not only advocates for ourselves and our profession, um, we're also advocates for the students that we work with. And there's times when you have to really look at what's going on with a student's life and you might be the only trusted adult that they have or you might notice something that other people aren't noticing. And there's a lot of times where we intervene um, to try to fix some things that are going on outside of school for students. And that might be getting a family food and clothing, that might be offering a safe and stable place when there's a lot of trauma going on in the home. Or, you know, I think of like last year, we had these taxation hearings in Utah and um, they wanted to start to tax uh, different goods and commodities around the state. And one of them was like groceries and businesses. And a lot of the students that I teach, um, our families range from very wealthy to living way under the poverty line. And I know that our students that were more food insecure, were going to struggle if they started to raise taxes. And it could be the difference between somebody buying diapers for their kid or feeding their other children. Um, and so I started to really like get involved and I feel like you know the students didn't really I, I teach like six and seven and eight year olds right now and last year I taught 10 year olds and 12 year olds and they don't really understand all of the stuff behind what's happening and so for me I feel like you know it was really powerful for me to take kind of my students voices to lawmakers and let them know how that would affect them so I really think sometimes we um, become part of the community. We're unusual because we work here and sometimes we don't live in the communities that we're working in. But I feel like we become part of the community and as part of the community, we also become sometimes advocates for the families and the students that are in those communities. So that was a lengthy answer, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Karen, you answered all the questions you did. Now we, don't, we can be done. No, <laughs> I just want to. Oh, sorry, Amy. All of us okay. were nodding our heads, though. That was so good. I, I haven't good. thought so much about the the connection between students and our voice and their voice to lawmakers. 
and us mm -hmm. being the conduit between those two. And I think that that's a really powerful way to phrase it. Sorry, Amy, I'll toss it over to you. No, that's totally cool. Um, just I was just going to say, Karen, you're speaking my language here because um, coming from the special ed world, so advocacy is in my DNA, right? I mean, that is, that's what I do. And um, so it's funny because you guys have a different perspective and you're thinking more political first, whereas I come from the ground up and buying kids coats and food. I mean, in my classroom, constant supply of food coats, boots, socks, deodorant, dry shampoo, everything, because I have to advocate for those kids with their own families sometimes and with the district. And I would have to, um, in my experience, I would have to advocate a lot for my own department being special ed. I mean, we don't, we don't get the high test scores. We're not getting the awards. We're not getting the sports scholarships or anything. So what, what can we bring to the table? So being an advocate is really hard sometimes to speak up um, cause not everybody sees it the same way that I do, but it's very interesting. And I don't advocating outside of school is really hard. Sometimes I worked really closely with the homeless liaison the past couple of years in our community. And, uh, like you said, Karen, you get kind of all sides and it's a broad spectrum, um, from the socioeconomic standpoint. So you have some people that just don't understand where you're coming from and other people at the lower end that maybe don't understand that they could work their way up and they could have a better life and do things better for their children. But so it's really, really getting the community involved in connecting with parents and other teachers and faculty and everyone just to try to make sure that everybody understands we have to work together. So, but I know you guys have a different perspective, which is super interesting to hear. And I love it. <laughs> I think when you talk about advocacy, what you're really getting at is initiating change in some way. There's some sort of action that's behind it, right? And that action could just be asking for something, it could be trying something new in your classroom. It could be going to a decision maker, whether they're at the school level, district level, state level, a legislator, school board, whoever, right? And when we talk about this action that goes behind it, right? And as I mentioned before, positive change, Sometimes we look at like these big moments of advocacy and like, wow, look at how awesome that teacher is. But it's it could be small. Like, for example, a couple of weeks ago, I reminded my principal, hey, it's district policy not to assign homework over a holiday break. Can you please remind our faculty? So I asked him to make a reminder. That's an ad I'm advocating for my students in that because my students are tired of teachers saying, oh, look, you have a holiday break. Cool. That means you have like literally all day to do homework. And, and I just think that that's such trash, you know? And, and so my students didn't have any homework in my class over the break. And all it was, was a simple question, you know, that, that got asked and, and it's, it made the students feel better. It helped the student teacher relationship just a ton. And the, so there's advocating in school, right? These actions that can benefit us and what we do in school. But I think like what Karen said is really awesome. We become part of the community, whether we live there or not. And in some ways, whether or not we want to be part of that community, we're gonna have to be because we don't get to choose who walks through our doors. Our job is just to help them win and succeed and do their best in our classroom. And this is where we talk about equity, right? And that comes in because every kid's at a different starting line. And I'm going to have to advocate for some more 
So Amy, you work in special ed and I have some special ed kids every now and then in my class. Yeah, sometimes it, it, it does get a little bit more difficult remembering, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I need to provide extra time on an assignment for this, this kid or, or I need to provide my written notes for this student, you know, whatever. But again, that, that question got asked to help that kid at some point and generally it's by the parents, but what if it's by me as the teacher? You know, what if, what if I asked that question, Hey, I don't think this kid is all right. You know, can, is there something that we can do to help them? I think it was about a year and a half, almost two years ago. I had a student approach me asked to turn in an assignment late, but his body language was just all over the map, completely uncharacteristic about this student and his behavior. And I looked at him and I said, Hey, I'm going to let you turn in this assignment. No penalty. The only condition that I have for you is I need you to go talk to your counselor. And he kind of gave me this look of like, I don't know how to respond to that. you know. <laughs> and I said, look, man, it's pretty obvious. Something's going on right now. If you want to talk to me, that's cool. But it seems like there might be something where you need a little bit of help with. He went to his counselor. Counselor helped him. She told me what was going on with him. And it was not a small problem. But that set that kid on the path to get the help that he needed. And it took a, a little bit, but by the end of the month, he was happy. He was back to his normal self. He was doing good work again. And, and it was just because somebody extended a hand and said, hey, I want to get you help. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I think that... Um... Our next question, Scott, I think that you just kind of tied into our next question that I was going to say, I just want to just want to jump in and say, like, that's so cool of you, because there are so many teachers who are bogged down with and I shouldn't say bogged down because we love our jobs and we love our professions. But you guys know what I mean. Oh, no, we're so bogged down. Don't, don't <laughs> yeah. excuse it, Amy. Call it what it is. Oh, I'm just like, too nice. Maybe I shouldn't be on this episode. I'm too nice. Put me on the puppy and rainbow episode. No, but... Um, <laughs> but there's so much to do and we have so many students and so many responsibilities that it kids can fall through the cracks students and other professionals we can fall through the cracks because you're like well well I'm sure someone else will take care of that I'm sure someone else will notice it if something's going on with this child or this other my colleague and really we need to be the ones who step in and say hey something is up and we have to fix it so I think that's amazing that you did that and I wish more people did that I love it. Could not agree with you more, Amy. Like I, I, the same thing, Scott, like one of the, so I'm working a lot with teachers to mentor them in my district this year. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things I tell them is make best friends with your counselors in your building, because they're the people you need to go to. If you see something up with your students and keep an eye on them, because we're the first line of advocacy and defense for those students. If we're not paying attention to them at school and and seeing behavior changes or um, things happening outside the classroom, those sorts of things, then probably nobody else is. And that can lead to long-term problematic issues, both academically, personally, socially, economically. We, we just see all of it kind of domino down the line. And so it's wonderful to kind of think about advocacy as something that we should be doing every day in our classroom anyways, but let's jump on the, the, Amy, I love how you put it a minute ago. 
let's jump off of rainbows and butterflies for a second. <laughs> yeah. um, let's talk a little bit about why teachers don't. Um, why do you guys think that teachers do not advocate both in class, in school, but then outside of school? But then on top of that, how have you found space and time and effort to, to advocate both in and out of school? Anybody want to jump in on that one? I'll start on this one. I think, I think that there's a lot of confusion about what our relationship with students should be because there's this old school version of there's clear lines between teacher and student and you do not cross over. You do not be friendly. You, you make sure that it is well known that there is a role and as a teacher, here's my role. As a student, here's your role. And there is a large zone between us and we don't cross that zone. So I think that that might be one one thing is just where do I where do I move on that? And I think teachers naturally are just people who love to help others because I don't know how you get into teaching without some sort of love of help or support, you know, for others. But some of it too is also I've got so many things going on. Because teaching just sucks so much of your time away. I mean, there's always something to, something to do. And it's crazy. Like on weekends, on holiday breaks, I don't know if our teacher brain ever fully turns off. And unfortunately, I think most of the time our teacher brain is always focused on the content. And like, I've got to get through this lesson. I've, and I've got to be at this point. At this lesson, by this point in time, otherwise I'm behind. If I get behind, then I got to do this. And there's so many things that are going on in our head. Plus, not to mention the size of our classrooms and how many students we got in there. I mean, trying to figure out what's going on with like 38 different kids at one time is really, really difficult. But then also, who's the right support staff to send them to? Because I think in high schools, students and maybe even teachers misunderstand the job of a counselor. It's like the counselors didn't go to to extra school to get a master's degree and how to get a kid into college. You know, they actually went there <laughs> to learn how to help students with their psychology and their behavior and to understand the world around them. But we look at them and go, oh, you're basically like a glorified college admissions expert. And I love the counselors at Viewmont. I think they're great. And, and I trust them when I send a kid down to have those hard conversations and say, it's okay if you feel overwhelmed. But I know not every teacher necessarily sees that as their role or as something that they want to do. And sometimes, you know, we just kick the can down the road and say, I'll let somebody else kind of figure this one out because I don't know what to do. So I'm going to wait for somebody else to kind of figure that out. And that that's the problem, right, is because we could have something, somebody go without help for a long time. And the problem goes from something minor to now something major. Mm -hmm. You know, and then all of a sudden, like, we're worried about a kid not turning in late work. And this kid might be worried about, like, what Amy and, and Karen said. Like, this kid might be worried about a meal or about shoes or about where they're going to sleep tonight. And we're worried about a freaking report. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, I think a lot of our teachers are really overwhelmed. And they're giving so much of their time. And I think, you know, it's really hard for us to um, kind of encourage them to teach all day, put their heart and soul into this, spend a ton of their personal time, invest it into their careers, and then tell them they need to go to like a legislative hearing at night um, on top of all of that. 
But I think it's important to realize, um, you know, I think being an advocate in our classrooms, I feel like we do this a lot naturally if we're doing best practices. Like we're, um, you know, differentiating material, which is really advocating for our students so that they can get the material in the ways that work best for them. If we're meeting those 504 or IEP goals, and we're telling like any, I mean, in elementary school, our classes go to like PE teachers and art teachers and different specialists. And then they, you know, if we're working with our special ed team to make sure that our students are taken care of in all of those classrooms, you know, that's advocacy. And I feel like when we um, are sending our kids to counselors, if they need to go to counselors or we're going to DCFS, if we need to do that, or, you know, getting them those physical things that they need outside of school, but also just like checking in with them um, and kind of making sure that they're okay every day. I mean, I think that's all like little forms of advocacy. Um, and I think our teachers are actually, you know, in some ways, like we're experts in what we do. And honestly, if you ask us about any kid in our classroom, we could tell you like 25 things about every kid, right? Like we're not only experts in our profession, but kind of like, uh, we know these kids so well, and I feel like, um, you know, that like really compassionate care and being attuned to what they need is huge. And I think teachers do that a lot naturally, and we want them to succeed. And I think we want them to, you know, obviously get out of public education, like graduate from high school, um, either go to college or find a career that makes them successful and make them independent and like self-reliance in the future. But I also think like, you know, when I look at our teachers, I think not only are they overwhelmed, but I feel like we have some teachers that are really scared of being advocates. Um, and that can really depend on your administrator and kind of what experiences you've had with your administrators in the past and even your school district. If you're working in a district that is really like very um, unhappy with people who go to the media or speak out or show up to things outside of their school district, you know, you could be facing uh, some potential consequences for your advocacy. And so I do think it's really important to make sure that you, you know, even check in with like your union or your principal before you do things, if you trust your principal. Um, the other thing I think too, is that people are just, you know, our teachers are sometimes nervous, I feel like, in certain areas of advocacy. Like right now, we are facing a lot of questions and a lot of um, topics of racial justice in our classrooms. And I think if you are in an area where you're kind of covering topics that you're very worried about, you know, making a mistake or offending people, um, that can also shut some of our teachers down. But I think advocacy comes in so many forms outside of school too. I mean, I think you have to like kind of know your staff and understand what your, your friends can, do. Like I have some friends that are brilliant writers and they write to legislators or they write to our school board and advocate. And then other people are great public speakers. Um, some people are great at working with the parents in the community to get them to come and advocate for teachers. And so I feel like we all just have different ways to advocate. And maybe one way of advocating doesn't fit another person, but you can find like choose your own adventure and advocacy, if that makes sense. Um, and so I think it's important too, to just let people know what advocacy can look like. It doesn't have to look like you showing up and publicly speaking. It could be, you know, again, like talking to parents and making sure the community 
is working on things or even helping candidates that are running for office or running for office. I mean, there's all of these different ways to advocate. So, yeah. I guess it's my turn. Very cool. I'm going to flip it on its head a little bit. Just coming from my background, um, and I'm writing notes so that I remember all of the things I want to say because this is such a fun topic. But I think that a super important part that we forget a lot of times is teaching students to be advocates for themselves, right? And that self-determination and that really like speaking up, just like Scott said, you know, you have a kid who is taking his particularly difficult classes and they need their notes written out. That kid needs to know that he can go to that teacher and say, hey, I need this. So something that I have been super hyper-focused on and um, just really trying to drive it home for a lot of my students is teaching them how to stand up for themselves, know their rights, know what they need, because they won't always have us backing them up. And, um, and I like what you said, Karen, about people being afraid of what everyone thinks about them when they're advocating because you can ask teachers at Tooele High as soon as I walk into their classroom, they're like, oh no. <laughs> and you guys can't see my face, but there, I know a lot of them were just like, what now? <laughs> like, what, what are you going to tell me that I'm doing wrong? Because I would say, you know, this child needs this and this because of this. A lot of those teachers, they're, they're great to work with, but I know that um, sometimes you have to be the thorn in a side in order to get people to understand and to really, I, I, just advocate for students. I know we're using that word so much, but it's just so perfect. Um, but I do think, and this is where it does get a little, a little bit grimier. I do have that side to me. So um, I'm so used to going in and fighting for a kid or fighting for my department. But when it comes to, like you just said, Karen, advocating for ourselves as teachers and maybe going to those higher levels, it is difficult because you don't have time. My job is spent focused so much on students. Like Scott said, teacher brain never turns off. I'm always like, how can I help this kid? What's going on with this kid? What's the best way to reach them? I completely forget that I can be asking someone else, hey, this would help me help my students because we just were so wrapped up in the rest of it. So it's really difficult sometimes to advocate for ourselves. So I need to take a class. Someone teaches me, I guess. But yeah, I just think it's interesting and I've tried to help um, my teachers that were coming in, the first year, second year teachers, really teaching them how to get in and fight for their students. But again, our department, um, we did pretty well, but it is always hard, especially, like I said, being a special ed department, kind of, um, unless you're in a very particular school where that principal's gung-ho, it you kind of get left by the wayside. So we try, but... And I know that happens to a lot of other departments, too. It's not just us. It's just everyone spread so thin. But, yeah, self-advocacy for students, but really difficult when it comes to yourself, at least for me. I love that. And I, I, I love what you just said. And I think it's such a good kind of place to, to end this conversation and leave it for another day of this idea that I, I personally, I think you guys would agree with this, I would rather be the thorn in the side to get change to happen in my school, in my district, in my state, then wait for somebody to tell me to be the person that, or like have the change happen. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really at the core of being an advocate or advocacy at any level is that we want to be more comfortable as teachers being willing to step outside and feel that pain of 
I'm the thorn in someone's side. And then the, the proud, like the pride of, Hey, I, I saw the real change happen. And that happened over a period of time. However long it took. Well, guys, I, I wish we could do this all night. Like, this is such a cool conversation. I want to keep going. Um, but before we leave, um, let's start with Karen. Tell us where we can find you on social media, but also we do shout outs. So if you want to shout out to anyone uh, that you're like, you know, needs an extra little bit this this 2020, uh, let's go for it. Or anybody that you want to say thankful for, because we're around, you know, the holidays, that sort of thing. Um, but let's go ahead and start with you, Karen. Where can we find you on social media? What kind of shout outs do you want to have? Uh, I'm on Twitter uh, at Karen J. Burns. Um, and I think honestly, I just want to say I am so in awe and I have so much respect for all of the educators this year. I see how hard everybody's working. Um, I know it's hard to go to school with so many, you know, unpredictable things on the horizon. And I feel like we are expected to do so many things that are not in our um, kind of our job description this year. But I just want to say the way that we're showing up for our kids and our students and the way that we're kind of going with the flow and trying our hardest, even though we're exhausted, is just so impressive. And every day I come to work and every day I read about teachers and every day I get to meet with like the Hope Street Fellows or other educators, it just is so inspiring to me um, to see what everybody's doing with what they have been given this year. And so I guess my shout out is just a shout out to all of the other teachers um, and everything you're doing and all the different things happening. And I just, yeah, I'm just really impressed and proud. It's, it's a weird year to be a teacher, but I'm also just grateful to be here. So. Sure, sure. Awesome. Um, so <laughs> I had to look my Twitter handle up. <laughs> so I'm Mrs. J Tawilla HS. I think I actually follow you, Scott. I know Matthew. Karen, I don't know. I'll have to find you. Um, because your name's so familiar. But uh, I um no Facebook or anything like that. Um yeah, I would just, you took mine, Karen. I was going to say all educators. I guess shout out to my homies at Tooele High. I know they've had kind of a grind this year, uh, but they're doing great. They're killing it. I get texts from them all the time, like, what should I do about this? So their hearts are in it. And then also Blue Peak Online and My Tech High, because teaching online all day is pretty difficult. As anybody who has tried it knows, it's way different. You have different connections with students, different expectations. So um, shout out to anybody who has done the online thing and survived. And that's all. All right, Scott. All right. You can find me on Twitter at, at moves like Judy with underscores between moves and like. And then I'm on Instagram, SV Judy. I'm on TikTok, at Scott Judy, but I've only posted like four videos, so it's probably not the best follow <laughs> there. But <laughs> I I want to shout out the kids. I feel like sometimes, you know, we complain about them and the late work and, and all this, but I can't imagine what it'd be be like being a student this year and and all the demands and everything. And I think that the students are not only just being troopers, but in a lot of ways, I think they're being really creative, doing some really cool things. And after all, that's that's why we're here, you know? 
I mean, I think that, that the students are amazing. I love being around them and, and I'm just so proud of them and everything that they do. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I agree as well. I think that's one of the, like all three of you guys, those shout outs were perfect. I just got to echo them. Um, I'm at teacher winners on Twitter, but I just, everyone in education right now just deserves a big pat on the back and a hug. Like it's been a hard year for everyone and it just seems to keep getting harder some ways, um, <laughs> but we can hope for the best going into 2021. So um, thanks so much, folks. Um, appreciate your time and uh, check them out on Twitter, folks. Join us on Twitter as well. And uh, we'll catch you on the next episode.